And one thing we know is don't take away Pennsylvanians' cold beverages, correct? Uh, Historically, that has not been a uh, good move for the powers that be. (laughs) Welcome to Pennsylvania in Focus. I'm Cole McNeely, General Manager of America's Talking Network. If you have not already, we ask you hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to this podcast so you don't miss any new episodes of Pennsylvania in Focus. Now here's your host, Dan McCaleb. Thank you, Cole, and welcome to the Pennsylvania in Focus podcast, powered by the Center Square. I'm Alan Wooten, Managing Editor at the Center Square Newswire Service. Pennsylvania in Focus is a production of America's Talking Network. You can find all of the Center Square's great podcasts at americastalking.com. We are recording on Thursday, June 16th. Dan McCaleb, our regular host and executive editor of the Center Square, is not with us today. I am happy to have Anthony Hennon, our Pennsylvania reporter. How are you, Anthony? Hey, Alan. I'm good. Good to be here with you. It is good to be here. We've had a lot of interesting stories break this week in Pennsylvania. Let's start off with one that is very near and dear to a lot of us, and that is when we go to the grocery store or we get our electric bill in the mail. The prices are high. The solutions are not out there. What can you tell us about your reporting on this story? Yeah, uh, not to uh, not to bring down the podcast here like uh, we did last week, but yeah, there's uh, very little good news um, immediately on the horizon seems to be forthcoming here. Um, the General Assembly uh, held some hearings. Um, they, they've done a few hearings on inflation and how it's affecting Pennsylvanians. Um, and so this week that continued on Tuesday, um, essentially looking, focusing more on food prices, on energy prices. Um, and the outlook isn't really great. And there's not a lot of a uh, quick solutions at hand. Um, Food prices have gone up about 10% compared to a year ago, um, which is a jump that hasn't happened for about 40 years. I think um, uh, the end of 1981 was last time we've seen inflation this high on food. Um, And so that's that's starting to hit um, partially just from the price of food, but also energy prices as well. Um, due to, you know, high uh, cost of oil, of gas, of any sort of energy supply. Um, Energy commodities are up uh, 50% compared to last year, um, according to uh, Patrick Henderson, who's a director of government affairs for the Marshall Shale Coalition, um, which is a trade group that lobbies for energy companies. Um, So there's... There's a mix here. Um, you can look at it. Half of these things is some global trends due to Russia's invasion of Ukraine, um, previous uh, COVID era spending um, that you know pushed up the likelihood of, of inflation and built that up. Um, but also just you know the, uh, the these longer run effects of the pandemic of uh, you know these uh, economic um, restrictions, these economic uh, disruptions. Um, it's all kind of coming to a head that may have started a couple years ago. You know, Henderson and the Marcella Shale Coalition points to um, some other politically driven restrictions, um, such as, um, you know, not uh, leasing out uh, government owned land for natural resource development, um, not granting permits to uh, pipeline infrastructure to build those and make it easier to uh, bring energy sources to the market. Um, but it's also there's other factors, too, um, partially coming from. Um, the pandemic where you had a slowdown in hirings or an economic activity. So those are hitting now. Um, you also have hedging in the energy sector, wh- basically where uh, companies would lower their risk <clears throat> against uh, you know prices dropping down. Um, so now, even though prices are high, um, they don't have a financial incentive to uh, wrap up or ramp up their production. Um, so even though prices are high, it's not actually pushing uh, more production. 
Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's it's some pain that's spread out and it's all kind of coming together, um, you know, at the cash register. Um, you see problems as well uh, with uh, farming, either the price of fertilizer or the p- price of diesel fuel driving up food prices on that end. Basically, you know, when uh, when the price of inputs for economic activity are up, uh, you're going to feel that uh, when you're buying your groceries, when you're filling up your car. Uh, so it's it's a problem. Um, when we're look when we're talking about solutions here, um, it's a bit long run. I mean, so, some quicker things have been bounced around in Pennsylvania. Um, Governor Tom Wolf has talked about sending out just two thousand dollar checks to families. Um, Attorney General Josh Shapiro, who's also now the Democratic nominee for governor in the state, um, he's announced a plan for a gas rebate. Um, if he wins, um, Republican plans have been focused on cutting the gas tax. Uh, but, you know, the, these things are one kind of three months to a year out. And if they do happen, it's also not clear that this is really going to fix these long run issues. Um, but also, you know, there's uh, there's just a lot there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on on the level of um, problems with delays with government permits, um, delays with government restrictions on the market to help adjust. Uh, so it's, it's there's no uh, there's no easy solution here and there's no clear or political solution either. So I think uh, I, I think look, looking out into the future next year or two, um, you know, prices are going to be high. They won't be high forever. But uh, I think it's, it's going to be hurting for a while and longer than a lot of people probably expect it to. The, the idea that Governor Wolf has floated out about possibly sending out some, uh, for lack of a better term, stimulus checks, $2,000 maybe. I would guess that that's probably getting a fair amount of pushback just from the status that there has been an awful lot of government money that's gone out in the last year or two, either through COVID or ARPA, it, just everything that's happened in the last couple of years. And now we rest in a very bad state of inflation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, what's interesting with Pennsylvania is they're still we're still sitting on, I believe, about I think last count is about five billion dollars um, from federal uh, COVID stimulus. And that has to be spent by the end of uh, 2023 or it goes back to the federal government. Um, so, I mean, those checks would be coming from uh, that pile of cash that is still it's not uh, hasn't been decided how that will be spent. So it's uh it's at least it's not new government spending. It's just a different way to spend it um, rather than going, you know, going into the general fund or the general assembly. Um, so on that level, it's not it's not as inflationary as it could be. It's, you know, it's not as inflationary as the federal government sending all the money out and the Federal Reserve printing it. Uh, but, yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things where, you know, if everyone gets two thousand dollars, that may also have these uh, price pressures of pushing um, prices up as well. So it's, uh, I, I guess the, the best way to look at it here is it depends who's spending it and when, um, you know, the, the first people to get the money are going to have better prices than the people sitting on it. Yeah, no doubt about that. And of course we're, we're all hoping for the best, uh, with prices and also with our, with our farmers, we're hoping that they are being able to survive things with the, uh, higher costs that they are getting. And then, uh, what in turn that means for us when we go to the grocery store. So we're, we'll keep an eye on that. Another story you're reporting on this week, Anthony was, uh, about the road funding, and um, uh, we we talked with Pennsylvania DOT, and um, as always, there is the 
uh, idea of what the DOT wants to do and can do, and then what the gas tax revenues provide for them to do. And then there's that uh, argument of, are they underfunded or not? What can you tell us about this story? Yeah, so this is a uh, this is a long-running concern in Pennsylvania, um, especially in recent years. Pennsylvania is extremely reliant on the gas tax to fund um, its infrastructure needs throughout the state. It has, I believe it's the second highest or highest uh, gas tax in the nation. Um, California might just edge it out. Uh, but it's uh, the state gas tax alone is 55% of um, the motor license fund, which is what the state uses for um, highway maintenance, for capital projects, um, like building roads or um, expanding roads, um, and bridge construction. When you add in the federal gas tax, um, it's about three quarters of PennDOT's budget is funded by uh, the gas tax. Um, that's much higher than um, most states even nearby, let alone across um, the entire country. Uh, and this is a problem because gas tax revenues are projected to fall in the future as a result of you know, electric cars coming onto the market, um, less fuel efficient and older cars being replaced by more fuel, fuel efficient and newer cars. Um, so it's, uh, you know, the horizon isn't great to just keep relying on the gas tax. The problem with this, of course, is that uh, a lot of people do not want to pay more for driving or to carry the burden, which they're used to not paying for in the first place. Um, so this has blown up with uh, PennDOT's bridge tolling plan, which would add tolls to nine uh, interstate bridges across the Commonwealth. Um, the Republicans are pushing back against that, and they're offering the idea of floating a uh, $2 billion bond rather than adding in tolls. Um, the problem, of course, with a bond is that it still is taking out a loan. It's not um, long-term funding here. Uh, there's also the uh, added issue here where PennDOT argues that it already has unmet needs. Um, I think PennDOT's budget is around uh, eight or nine billion dollars, I believe. And they think that they need something like 18 or 19 billion to uh, cover all the needs for maintenance, for bridge repair and construction, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's a difficult shift here, right? There's the difficulty of finding a stable, long term, viable way to fund the Commonwealth's infrastructure, bridges, roads, mass transit, all that fun stuff. And that, you know, that that's kind of that's just the economic or financial breakdown. And then there's the uh, political difficulty of finding a way to do this that can get bipartisan support in the General Assembly, that can get approved by the governor, and that you know each each region of the state feels is a fair way, or that they're not unfairly carrying the burden here. Um, you also have interests from you know shipping and trucking and manufacturing, where you know if if they're paying an extra seven eight dollar toll every day on multiple trucks, that's going to add up quick and put costs on them. Uh, so there's uh, there's not really an easy way to do this. Um, PennDOT has floated, in addition to the bridge tolling plan, they've had the, uh, floated the idea of adding like a uh, packaged uh, delivery fee for goods. Um, they've added the idea of adding an uh, electric vehicle mileage fee as a way to recoup that since electric vehicles are not paying um, on the gas tax. It's a difficult thing to predict. It's a difficult way to imagine... Um, what a future less reliant on the gas tax looks like. Um, the independent fiscal office put out a report um, looking at gas tax revenues. And um, th thanks to a, a shift in state law in 2013, um, that's increased about 60%. It's, it went from about um, the state gas tax burden 
on average was about almost $200 in 2013. 2018, it hit about 300. Um, it's dipped a little bit from the pandemic, um, but it seems to be recovering all, almost back to what it was um, 2018, 2019 uh, fiscal year. Uh, so tax collections aren't uh, no siving or anything like that. Uh, so on that level, there's not a sudden problem with the gas tax, but probably next five to 10 years, we're going to see that dipping. And uh, no one no one really wants to raise, uh, you know, add in a new toll or raise taxes, especially in an election year. And so this is going to be a long run problem, um, even more so if PennDOT really does need a big boost in funding. So good luck to anyone trying to figure uh, this puzzle out. Yeah, it is. A, it is an interesting puzzle. And, and I would dare say in, in PennDOT's defense, uh, when it comes to the roads, it's pretty much like uh, growing up on a farm. There is always something to do. I mean, yes. there, 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 there's always something out there. So they will forever have a wish list and it is one to be very well respected. Moving on, there's another story that you uh, took on this week. Uh, a 30,000 case backlog of unemployment fraud. And of course, fraud is one of those uh, headline words that grabs our attention. Anthony, what can you tell us about this one? Yeah. So uh, like many other state agencies, the uh, Department of Labor and Industry is suffering here from uh, some staffing shortages, um, a difficulty in attracting um qualified people or experienced people with dealing with fraud, um, as well as competing with uh, private sector businesses and a uh, influx of cases uh, since the pandemic, as you, know, you had more uh, unemployment compensation claims and all that fun stuff. Uh, so essentially, um, there's a proposed legislation here in the General Assembly, uh, HB 2648, that would appoint a special state prosecutor in the Office of Inspector General for um, essentially rooting out uh, people who use the COVID pandemic as a chance to uh, defraud the public here. Um, there was, uh, during appropriations hearings back in, I believe, March, April, um, you had testimony talking about a long outstanding uh, backlog of cases. Um, it's, uh, it's roughly about, right as of... Um, early June, it's about 33,000 outstanding cases of fraud to dig into. Um, these cases are not all going to be fraud, but these are kind of uh, cases that the Department of Labor needs to verify, you know, um, check, uh, you know, check the credentials, make sure the money is going where it needs to be. Uh, the problem here is, uh, I guess, twofold. Um, one is it's hard to make up for staffing shortages of people they've lost in the last couple of years. Um, and also, uh, the department has a high turnover rate. Um, it's about 50%. And um, the uh, Labor and Industry Secretary, Jennifer Barrier, um, in March pointed to uh, low pay as being a factor for having difficulty to keep people in. Um, these uh, fraud cases, I mean, they, they've, in, especially over the last decade, um, the department's gotten a lot better at processing these cases and working through them. Um, but uh, it's still, you know, it's, it's a lot of work to do. It's important work, uh, but it's, it's not just something you can check the box and move on from. Um, but it's, it's, it's definitely, it's at least something the department is taking seriously. Um, it's something the Gen General Assembly is taking seriously. Um, the Attorney General as well has been working through uh, various fraud cases. Um, in February, um, there was announced a case where five out-of-state residents were charged with uh, defrauding the unemployment program, um, which they filed 
claims for almost a million dollars, um, but only received about 455,000 of that. Um, in March, uh, three people in Pittsburgh were charged with stealing more than $800,000. Um, since the pandemic, there's been about three dozen people charged by the attorney general's office um, for illegally obtaining about $3 million in pandemic assistance front, uh, funds. So there's a lot of work to do. There's definitely a big problem. Um, if the state can, uh, you know, kind of claw back a lot of those funds, that's great. Um, that can go into, you know, getting the money to people who actually deserve to have it. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, a big, it's a big hurdle here. And it seems like the General Assembly is taking seriously uh, the idea that we need to pump in more resources to make sure they're uh, being uh, good financial stewards of public money. And what do we see the net gain here if we're able to, to, to knock out some of these 30,000 cases? Uh, what happens to those who are uh, convicted? Uh, how severe is their punishment? I'm sure there'll be restitution, of course. Uh, I don't know if there'll be jail time or something like that. But uh, is the cost greater than what, what would actually be netted back? Um, I don't think so. Uh, I, I think it basically breaks down, you know, if, if they're targeting claims that, you know, it might be a couple hundred here and there, maybe a thousand or two, um, it's kind of gets marginal. Um, but in terms of, you know, they, they have a lot of, uh, software help for sorting through these cases. It's, it's not just pulling out manual printouts and trying to run numbers here. Um, it, it does seem like they're, uh, looking at these, these bigger, uh, bigger instances or bigger, uh, money claims to exactly avoid the idea of, you know, Pouring in two million in resources to root out fraud, but only getting back twenty, thirty thousand—that um, just isn't a great use. I, I guess they're looking for the the efficient fraud cases rather than anything else. But uh, depending on how long these backlogs exist, we'll we'll see. All right, very good, Anthony. Another story that uh, drew some attention this week was when you uh, hopped into something that uh, many of us like to partake in on the weekend, and that's the, the cold beverage industry. Uh, beer delivery issues, um, the distributor monopoly problem that is in Pennsylvania. Tell us a little bit more about what you were able to uncover in this story. Yeah, so uh, we're, we're seeing some complaints coming from um, a lot of taverns or uh, smaller bars or uh, um, licensed restaurants, um, the Pennsylvania Licensed Beverage and Tavern Association, which is an industry group mainly representing these small businesses of taverns, bars, restaurants, um, they're complaining of um, problems with uh, deliveries for you know their uh, their licensed beverages to serve the uh, citizens of the Commonwealth. Um, essentially, uh, beer distributors are starting to limit some deliver- deliveries, uh, especially in the uh, South Central Pennsylvania. That seems to be um, the biggest problem here. Um, but the uh, distributors are limiting delivery- deliveries because they're pointing to um, staffing shortages uh, or fuel costs. Um, and rather than maybe delivering supplies some every week or so, uh, they're pulling back doing, you know, every, every two weeks, every three weeks. Um, and so th- th- this is a problem on a couple levels. One level is, uh, you know, these taverns and bars uh, don't necessarily have the storage space or don't necessarily have enough space to store um, these deliveries properly with it while staying within the law. Um, so these spaced out uh, deliveries are an issue. Um, it's also an issue because uh, these places cannot personally deliver supply to their own bar, even if it's picking up from a state store or picking it up from um, the establishment uh, or the, the distributors themselves. Um, that's just, it's illegal for them to 
carry uh, the alcohol due to the state laws. Um, because the uh, distributors essentially have a monopoly in different regions of the state. Uh, this is fairly common across uh, the U.S. Uh, Washington State is the only one who's removed um, the requirement to have a distributor to deliver the beer. Um, that changed, I think, about 2010, 2011. Um, they still have distributors out there, but uh, restaurants and bars are not required to um, reserve beer delivery to the some licensed distributor in their area. Um, and so th- this is a problem just due to, you know, these supply chain issues, uh, but also uh, it drives up prices because it essentially guarantees a middleman. Um, you know, plenty of other industries have middlemen. You know, there's no, uh, there's no problem with a company focusing on just delivering beer. Um, the problem here comes from uh, these bars, these restaurants being forced to work only with one distributor or only being able to go straight to uh, someplace. So this has a, this has a negative impact on uh, on brewers, on distillers, and on um, you know the taxpayers and consumers themselves, uh, and it limits competition for other deliveries or expanding um, what products a beer a bar or restaurant can offer. Um, so I mean th- this also I, I think is another thing I didn't dive into the uh, the article here, but talking with just some uh, breweries, um, they're having issues just with staffing shortages of their own and being able to hire people to work. Um, so this is another example of, you know, the uh, post-pandemic uh, economic issues uh, hanging over here. And there's uh, staffing shortages across a bunch of different industries, across um, different markets and different uh, parts of them. So it's uh, it's hopefully something that will clear up soon, but um, state law is kind of uh, hampering a lot of these small businesses at the moment from finding other sources or um, avoiding running out of uh you know, the uh, products they sell. And one thing we know is don't take away Pennsylvanians cold beverages, correct? Uh, historically, that has not been a uh, good move for the powers that be. <laughs> Absolutely not. Anthony, thank you so much for your insights this week. That is all the time that we have. We encourage all of our listeners to follow Anthony's work at thecentersquare.com, where you can also find out more from this past week on higher education, including the 529 plan that provides tax breaks for the more affluent. We hope you'll check that out. This has been the Pennsylvania Focus Podcast, part of the America's Talking Network. Find all of the Center Square's podcasts at americastalking.com. For Anthony Hennon, I'm Alan Wooten, and we'll talk to you next week.